The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. Welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. It's Missions Month, and we're really excited about that. That was a video sent by Jamie Bowles and her work in Kigali, Rwanda. And so we wanted to play that. Uh, She's doing a fantastic work. We're going to talk more about all the works that God is doing uh, through the churches and our missionaries around the world and by ex- their, their, their extension of us, right, through the Springs Church. Also, the Shrek sent an update that things are going really well on Christmas, and cri- between their Christmas and Christmas Eve service, they had 500 people in those two services. And so this year, they, wanna, they want us to pray about uh, the theme of service, uh, while they have people coming, right, they want to get more people involved in serving in their churches. And so they want us to participate in prayer and in doing that. I want to introduce to you the missions team. This is the team that meets together, that prays for our missionaries. They meet, they discuss the budget, they discuss the works that are going on. They really provide the energy and the vision for not only this month, but helping this congregation come together around the mission of God for all the works that we do around the world. So when I say your name, I want you to stand and remain standing, okay? So on the missions team is Celeste Dvorak, Greg Gillum, Jared Sism, Kelsey Herndon, Ken Steele, Rick Geyer, Ryan Jones, Chris Carpenter-Gomez, Tara Buxton, and Jeff Dimmick. All right? So let's, stay in a, let's give them a round of applause. Wait, 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 wait. Don't sit down just yet. I want you, Kelsey, stand up. Come on. I want you to know who these people are because this month, as we talk about Missions Month, if you have a question, if you want to know what's going on, if you want to know how... Uh, the money works. If you want to know more about the, um, uh, the endowment that's being used, these are people that are, that are intimately involved in those questions. And if they don't know the answer, they may be involved with one ministry or another, they can point you to someone who is. So be sure and connect with these people if you have questions this month, all right? Go ahead and be seated. I'm blessed and honored to kick off Missions Month, but we have uh, a list of great speakers that are going to talk to us this month about, about what God's doing. Uh, Kelly Osborne is going to be one of our speakers, going to share. Celeste Dvorak, who actually is the chair of the, uh, of the mission team, is going to be sharing, and John Osborne is going to be talking. And our theme this month is Connected. And what God is doing around being connected. And it's leading up to the final Sunday of the month where we're going to make our contributions and our pledges. And I'm going to make my pitch since this is my moment now. Our goal and our budget that we have set is $115,000. That's to support uh, the works that we've been committed to around the world. And so uh, 
I think it's a, a challenging number for us. I think it's a number that pushes us, and I think it is a number that we can accomplish. Okay? I want you to hear this. If you have given in the past, we want you to commit then again to the ability that you are to God's mission around the world. It is making a difference. And if you haven't uh, donated or you haven't been um, involved, here's what I want to challenge you. Commit this year, either in pledges or in a one-time donation. And maybe think about it like this. If you're thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can afford it or I don't know if we're in a place. Think about it this way. Instead of the one or two coffees you get at Starbucks every week, this is a sacrifice I know for some of you. Why don't instead of going to Starbucks, get a cheaper coffee at home and put that money away and commit that money to missions? If you go out to eat uh, regularly for your job, instead of going out to eat every day, pack a lunch and the money you save, Put that towards missions. Okay. If your family goes out to eat, instead, maybe say, hey, instead of doing this, why don't we save this money and give towards what God's doing in the world? And for those of you that have given, why don't you think the same way? If we could just a little bit more and reach the 115,000. Because what we believe is that God, through Jesus Christ, is connecting the world. Now, if you want to follow along with me in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to spend some time in Ephesians. We're going to spend some time in the Gospel of Mark today. But throughout this series, Ephesians chapter 1, it says this. And with all wisdom and insight... He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. The NIV reads it this way, to bring unity to all things in heaven on earth. And that word that's used to gather up all things Right? It's this word, it's like taking stones and he's taking and he's stacking up. Right? He's building up. He's gathering. He's connecting together all things in heaven and on earth. So the next time someone asks you, what's God doing in the world? Go to Ephesians. Here's, what's God do Here's what God's doing in the world. He's connecting all things in heaven and earth. And here's how Jesus does that. Let's read a story from the Gospel of Mark, right, to give us a picture of how God is connecting all things. In Mark chapter 5, it says this. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he stepped out of the boat, that is, when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with chains. 
For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains were wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was, al he was uh, always howling and bruising himself with stones. And when Jesus saw him from a distance, he ran and bowed. And when he saw Jesus, sorry, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he bowed before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of God Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there on the hillside was a great herd of swine. There was, they were there feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave him permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned by the sea. And jumping ahead to verse 18, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, a man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Jesus says to this guy who had thousands of demons, they were legions, he says to him, after he heals him, he says, Jesus, I want to be with you. And Jesus says to him, no. You go back into the city. You go back to where the people are. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus connects you and I with other people. When Jesus shows up in town and heals you, he connects you with other people. In my last year in Rwanda, in Rwanda, my last year in Uganda, I was in Rwanda some too, but my last year in, in Uganda as a missionary, probably the last six to eight months, I did a farewell tour. We, we worked with about 60 different churches in rural areas of Uganda. And as I went around and I preached my last sermon, my farewell sermon, to all the congregations, one of the things that I would tell all of them is I would say, the only reason, the only reason that you and I know each other is because of Jesus. I mean, think about it. What in the world is a white guy from America doing in the village of Wonkonge? There is no other reason besides Jesus brought me here and Jesus brought you here. What in the world is a white guy from the United States doing in the, the village of Nakalongo? 
The only reason I know those people in Uganda is because of Jesus. Jesus connected us. And when I started thinking about this this week, the vast majority of people that I know, I know because of Jesus. Now, if you started thinking about it, you're like, well, I know a lot of people at work that, are, yeah, you, you do, but you know a ton of people in this room, and the only reason you know them is because of Jesus. In fact, you don't know people in this room. You know people literally around the world. You are connected with people around the world. You're connected with people around the world, like in places like Antwerp, Belgium. With Paul and Carol Brazel. You're connected with people in Kigali, Rwanda, through the Shreks and through Jamie Bowles. You're connected with people in Hildesheim, Germany, through the Rokassis. And by the way, you're also connected inadvertently right now with people in Wuhan, China, because the Rokassis are visiting their daughter, Julia, who, is, who worshiped here who is teaching English in Wuhan, China. And by the way, prayers for them. They are stuck there, staying in their apartment, only to go out for food and having to wear masks because of the, uh, the coronavirus. But you're not only connected with people in China and in Germany, you're connected with people just 20 miles up the road in downtown Oklahoma City with the Whitmires. You're now connected with people in Singapore through Mitt and Maya Vikraman. You're connected with people now in Athens, Greece through Larry and Kathy Bowles in the Acro Center. You're connected with people in Mito, Japan through Joel and Kristen Osborne and through Hiro and Megumi Akahoshi who are their partners you are connected far beyond who you think you're connected to. When you're a missionary, it shows up. You start to think like this because when you're a missionary, you start staying with people. We did this all the time. When we'd come back on furlough or when we were traveling, we'd stay with missionaries in Rwanda, we'd stay with Christians from different places in East Africa. And that continued on. We always get made fun of when we go to soccer tournaments with a family. We go to quite a few. We rarely stay in the hotel. One, it's to save money. But two, there's always, it seems like there's always someone that we're connected to that we stay with. And our soccer families that, they're like, do you know people in every single town that you go to? And we started thinking about it and was like, it's not a testament to us. We're, it's, when you're in Jesus Christ, he connects you with people. By the way, we may be going to Cincinnati, Ohio. If anybody has a connection there, we'd like to know that, all right? <laughs> Do you like how I did that? It was nice, wasn't it? But Jesus says not only go home to your friends, he not only connects us with one another. Then he says, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
And so not only does Jesus connect us with others, we connect others to Jesus. Go home to your friends, go connect to the people. Go connect with people around you and then tell them what the Lord has done for you. Connect them back to me. And there's another story in Mark 6 of how I think Jesus, right, how we connect others to Jesus. Beginning in verse 5, it says this. And then he went about among the villages teaching. That is, Jesus did. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over every unclean spirit. And he ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, and no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever, whenever you, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any, if any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, As you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and they proclaimed that all should repent. And they cast out many demons. And they anointed with oil those who were sick. And they cured them. When Jesus calls the twelve, it's interesting that he calls twelve. Because there's twelve disciples There's 12 tribes of Israel. This is not just Jesus calling the 12 in this story. The 12 represent the whole of God's people. They represent all of God's people. So when he calls the 12 and sends them out, he is calling you and I. And the work they do is diverse. I mean, some are there to proclaim Some are healing the sick. Some are pushing up against evil. Some are anointing. There's lots of different work that's done. And he's sending us on his mission. You notice he's the one sending. And that good news is a priority. You know, one of the things I want to do this morning is share with you Uh, the leadership of the the mission team. They have created a document that guides not only their thinking in terms of the mission at this church, but what they envision for not not just what they do, but what the entire church does. And I want to share a bit with that with you, right? If nothing else, so you can catch a little bit of the vision for what we have in store this month and really every each year right, as we enter into God's mission. The first one is everyone participates. When Jesus calls the 12, he's not just calling 12, he's calling them all. This is not a work for just Ben Langford who has mission experience. This is a work for you too. And what that means is that all members are instilled with a concern that every person is in need of Christ and a desire to make him known. Disciples are invited into God's mission. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
it means you participate in his mission. When you follow Jesus, let me hear this. Let me, you need to hear this. When you follow Jesus, you follow him into the work that he's doing in the world. That's what it means to be a disciple. Number two, all the members see missions as an, as an important expression of the maturing of their faith. If you look at in Mark, one of the things that becomes very clear in Mark is the disciples, they don't get it. We might preach a whole sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. This is an inside thing, just a little side note. Mark's my favorite gospel. One of the interesting things about Mark is that the disciples are idiots. They really are. It is both funny and, and serious. They don't get it. But even in chapter 6, Jesus sends them out, and they do all these things as people that don't get it. Here's why everyone participates. You may think, ah, I don't know. I don't know enough. I'm, I'm still struggling in my faith. I don't know if I can do this. Read the Gospel of Mark. You know more than they did. And they're with Jesus. And they did it. And by the way, doing actually produces more faith. This is how the disciples come to learn who Jesus is. They go out and they do it. Third thing in this, if everyone participates, that all members are equipped with knowledge and skills and resources to carry their faith into the community and around the world. God calls, God equips. And we need to be a church that not only continues to equip all of us, this body, for mission, we, we need to self-reflect, and I'll confess this, we need to self-reflect about how can we equip you better? That's a challenge for all of us. All of us that are in leadership, how do we equip each other to participate in God's mission around the world? The second thing, the major category that they want you to know is this. God's work is diverse. Okay? If you look in this story. There is proclamation, there is healing, there's anointing, there's driving out unclean spirits, pushing back on injustice and the powers that be. There is so much work that God is involved in around the world that you may not be able to stand up here and do this. But I'm not even sure this is as important as some other things. Don't get me wrong, I think preaching is important. I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was important. Proclaiming the word of God is important. But missions is done through the proclamation of the gospel in not only word, but it's the embodiment of the gospel in action. I'll just use my wife as an example. There's no way she would get up here But she's a nurse, and she practices being the healing hands of Jesus. And I guarantee her patients in the hospital are more grateful for what she does than you are for what I do. And I'm not trying to be funny. 
I think you appreciate what I do. But I guarantee they're more grateful for what she does. The other thing is that mission includes any action in which we participate in the restoration of a proper relationship with God, others, self, or creation. They preached, they restored, they healed, they changed lives. And all members serve according to their gifts, contributing to God's mission as they are uniquely capable of doing. God has called you and he's gifted you. And if you don't know what your gifts are, let's explore that together. Let's explore that together. And last, at the leading of the Spirit, some members emerge with a desire to become full-time missionaries. This has been a tradition in this church. The Shreks were a part of this congregation. There's been several. Jamie's been, Jamie was a part of this con congregation before she became a missionary in Rwanda. Mitt and Maya Vickerman were interns here. I was a part of this congregation growing up. Back in the 90s. You don't think this place didn't have a significant influence on my calling to go to Uganda? Some of you will go. Not all of you. Not even most of you. But we want to encourage that. And the third thing is this, is that God's mission is a priority. God is sending us on mission, and he's sending us with good news. And so new and existing mission efforts are supported generously and sustainably, including financial and relational support. We do need you to be generous. Not as something where we pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, look how much money we got. But to say, if this is God's work in the world. Where your treasure is, you know the phrase, there your heart will be. Are you interested in what God's interested in? Do you love what he loves? Do you want what he wants? And missions, or the going, receives attention and priority equal to the other activities of gathering and growing. In fact, you could say our, our vision is gather, grow, go. But in some sense, it doesn't just begin with gather, grow, or gather, grow, and go. Sometimes going is how we gather. And going is how we grow. So it's equal to. And then finally, God's work is regularly celebrated among our church family, strengthening our faith, reassuring us of our path, and providing a sense of stability. This is why we take a whole month every year to talk about this. And we don't just talk about it this month, but we take a month every year to talk about this. That God is doing something beyond what is happening in this building on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. And if you don't believe that, come talk to one of the people who stood up earlier. Come talk to someone who's been on a go mission project. Come talk to me. 
because we need to celebrate this. You know, I love how the message ends in the Mark chapter 6 in the story about Jesus calling his disciples. The message says it like this. Then they were on the road. They preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. Right and left, they sent the demons packing. They brought wellness to the sick, anointing their bodies and healing their spirits. I love that phrase. They preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. Here's what I want to finish with to set up this month. The disciples lived like there really is good news. Can this congregation live like there really is good when my daughter had cancer, and when she was cancer-free, do you know what I did when I heard that good news? Hey, good news, good news, my daughter. My daughter's cancer-free. Because when you hear good news, what do you want to do? You want to tell everybody. When the Chiefs win tonight, any Chiefs fans in here? It's been 50 years. All you're going to hear is Chiefs fans because that is actually good news. And not only do, you, do I go run around and say, this is good news about my daughter, I also now participate in Make-A-Wish. I'm speaking at OC here in a few weeks to support Make-A-Wish because not only participate, not only tell people the good news, I want to participate in the healing work. about it. Do you live like there really is good news in the world? Because there's certainly enough bad news in the world. We don't have to tell people the bad news. They know it. There's enough bad news in people's lives. But do you, do each and every one of you live like the good news is real? That's our challenge. Not only this month, this week, this month, but that's our challenge as Christians. Will you stand and sing with